Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, our Savior, our light. Amen. Many of you sitting here this morning have heard me say this before, and I'll say it now. It's not all about you. But please also hear the other side of that statement. It is also all about you. I know uh, my heart sometimes shows up on my sleeves or maybe even uh, more uh, clearly uh, out of my mouth when I continue to hold before you and myself that God has called us to be the light in this dark world. God has called us to be his ambassadors, his you know, witnesses, those disciple-makers that he put us on this earth to be. And I do realize that sometimes when you hear that regularly, and I know I need it, so I'm going to believe that so do you, but please don't allow that focus of us recognizing God has called us to be the called-out ones. Please don't allow that to interfere with you understanding that this message that we share is for us also, because it is all about you, and it's all about me. It's about this God who loves each and every one of us. In 1939, the Santa Fe, Union Pacific, and Southern Pacific Railways merged in California to build the last great Union Station in downtown Los Angeles. Long before automobiles filled our roads or airplanes filled the skies, the railways were the primary means of transportation in our country. And today, outside of Union Station there in Los Angeles is this sundial with a plaque placed there by the man who fulfilled their dream of connecting the nation's railroads. And this is what that plaque says. Vision to see, faith to believe, courage to do. My dear friends in Christ, that may have been put there in honor of those who came together, you know, to bring together the nation's railroad there to the far west coast. But that statement also applies to us today. A vision to see. God called together a group of some 13 people 12 years ago, and they had this vision to see God's vision, to understand what He was calling them to and us to. And they also had this faith to believe. That yes, we may be a small in number, we may you know, not have the financial means in ourselves, but they believed with faith that God would use them to plant a new mission outpost in which his message would be brought forward to the community and the world that is around us. And they had the courage to stick it out and to do it. The Lord says in Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
so often I think we take that uh, to mind. Am I still on? Yes? Okay. Just felt a little change there. So it's a new mic, so I'm getting used to it as well. But I think sometimes when we hear that where there is no vision, the people perish, my sense is sometimes we're just focused on, yeah, we need to have a vision, you know, in life and, you know, what's the purpose? What about that last word, where there is no vision, the people perish? Listen, the idea of us having a, a vision before us of what God is calling us to, the idea of having a mission statement gets down to that very word of perish. Because without that message, people around us who do not know Jesus Christ are perishing. They are being separated from God for all of eternity without having experienced, knowing, and clinging to the love of God in Jesus Christ. So when this mission congregation began 12 years ago, the Lord gave those involved a, a vision to see and reach lost, hurting people desperately in need of Christ's love. And likewise, the Lord had been working in my heart and in my life to understand that this message was not just for James, it wasn't just for my family. This was the message that is for all people. And I believe that God given me and this congregation or that core group originally a similar passion, in fact, used that to draw us together by this shared vision, a vision of meeting needs for today and eternity. I don't know whether you look at it this way, but to me this is a true statement, which is vision gives purpose to life. Vision is inspired by an idea, but once it gets into our hearts, it's real, it's palatable. We see it as already existing. And let me help you. All right, Lois is here. I'm just looking to see who out of that original 13 is sitting here this morning, Lois Schaefer. But, but let me just help you to picture this. 13 people. How is God going to use 13 people to raise up a church, not just a facility, but a place that is about, seriously, about sharing and, and offering to the world around us this message of the gospel? they were able to envision this and see this without really knowing how it would happen other than they had faith to believe and courage to do. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have physical sight, but it is far more important uh, to have the kind of sight Scripture talks about, spiritual vision. Spiritual vision goes beyond the physical capacity to see. When I wrote that, it reminded me of a statement uh, that Duke Ellington uh, once said when asked to define rhythm. This is what he said. If you've got it, you don't need no definition. If you don't have it, ain't no definition going to help. What I love is this. 
From the beginning of the Christian church, as Jesus was preparing to ascend into heaven to prepare that place for all who believe, he planted into the hearts of his disciples and into us that vision of making disciples, of honoring him, of serving him, of daily experiencing Christ's love. Indeed, my dear friends, vision comes from within. It's what we've been called to in the past and what we have defined our vision for the future as. And I believe it comes from the Lord. Our prior mission statement that guided us was, we exist to transform lives through Christ for today and eternity. And I still return to that because I think it's the foundation on which we are going forward now as a people who experience Christ's love, live it, and share it. But remember, Jesus lived this way. The reason the word today ended up in there is Jesus went to where people were. He went to them. He met their real needs, whether they were hungry, whether they were sick, whether they were hurting, whether they were grieving and then he would meet their greater needs. He would meet their eternal needs. And likewise, we have sought to do the same. We've sought to meet people where they are out in this world and to ultimately use that relationship, that bridge, to meet their eternal needs. Now, last spring, many of you were part of the forums that we held here uh, as we were working on, on discovering and understanding what God has uniquely called us to as a congregation. In those forums, and we did surveys, we studied demographics, and we prayed. And in the midst of that, God laid before us a vision of a preferred future. What would it look like? Not just words, but what are the pictures of what it would look like when we were truly accomplishing that which he had laid before us? And those things included that we would be, this would be a place of laughter, a place of friendship, a place of joy, a place filled with people loving and enjoying the Lord and each other, a place where the Word is the foundation on which we stand and all that we do, a place where the light bulbs are going on in people's minds and in their hearts saying, I finally get it. I finally get what God is all about. We said that we were seeking to be a congregation that would have at least 20% of this congregation made up of families with children and youth, that we would be serious about having an active, growing children and youth ministries, so serious that we would ultimately staff those positions. We said that we would seek to have a minimum of 10 adult and youth baptisms a year and 20% growth in worship. Now, by the way, as I just throw some numbers out at you, some of you are saying, Pastor, that's kind of you know, hard to put a number on those things. But I'd challenge you to look at the scripture and see how often there's a number connected with great celebration. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
You know, in that day, 2,000 were baptized, it said in the beginning of the book of Acts. On another day, 3,000. Why not put before ourselves these kind of real, tangible goals? Let's put it out there. Let's see the vision. Let's have faith to believe. Let's have courage to do. We said that we would be a congregation where at least 40% of the members are engaged in serving the Lord here in the congregation and all members somehow recognizing how they are the vessel of Christ in their daily lives wherever they find themselves. And that we would have 20 outreach events over two years. Big challenges. Big opportunities. God has called us to be his presence as we live in his love and as we share it. But out of that vision came our new mission statement, experience Christ's love, live it, share it. When I was in seventh grade, I had to get eyeglasses. I could read my book, I could, you know, read the test and the worksheets or whatever they put on the desk in front of me, but I began to have problems reading the blackboard in the classroom. And so we went to the eye doctor, and as you can well imagine, I was diagnosed as nearsighted. You know, I wonder. You know, seeing things near but not so much in the distance, I wonder, is it possible that we can be spiritually nearsighted also? I personally think so. You know, maybe when we are new believers or maybe when we have gone through a time of, of struggle and truly experiencing God's presence, God's provision, God's love, we see clearly, we understand His vision for us. But after a while, we can begin to lose clarity as the experience fades into the past then we tend to go back into our old routines and become distracted by our agendas, life, and everyday worries. Our eagerness to continue to experience Christ's love and to serve Him by sharing it, it drifts into the distance and it becomes harder to see. How do you correct your vision, spiritual vision, my contacts correct my eyes now. It enables me to see things clearly. But what lens can we look through to keep us from forgetting what God has done in the past, what he continues to do for us today, and to help us to see clearly as we keep moving forward? The answer? Remember. The answer is remembering, remembering and reflecting on God's work in the past. And that can help to strengthen our faith in Him for the present and future. And it helps us to keep forward living out His vision. And so with that, experiencing Christ's love is more than a one-time event. It's more than us you know, experiencing that if we were baptized as an adult. It's more than that if we were you know, confirmed and we can still remember that when we were 13 or 14 years old or whatever it was. It's even more than experiencing it in the midst of a, a challenge or a crisis or a loss of life. 
It's meant to be more. Yes, we remember those pinnacle experiences, but we are blessed to daily be given opportunities to experience Christ's love. So let me help you to understand how God is here for you, offering that love each and every day. First, it begins in His Word. If this is the only place that you are hearing and receiving the message of God's love from His Word, I have a feeling by about Tuesday you're going to be running on empty. He gives you and me this Word that we can daily go to, that we can daily read, we can reflect upon, we can meditate upon. There we can listen to Him. There we can come to understand Him better and understand ourselves. There we can be reminded of what He's done for us in the past and of His mercies new every morning for us. His love. We are given the opportunity to regularly, daily be in prayer with Him, reflecting upon this life and his work in it, to celebrate and to listen. But you know, one of the biggest reasons that I spend time in prayer is because prayer changes me. Prayer changes the prayer. Prayer is that place that James works on letting go. Stop holding on to things. Stop controlling things and say, God, this is yours. You take it. And when I do that, when you do that, oh, how we experience his love. We should be experiencing his love, keeping that focus by truly being active in Christian community. That is regular in worship, and that's not how our society now has defined it as once every five to six weeks. It's regular. We need His grace regularly. It's being in small group Bible studies. It's in those new Bible studies starting today. It's about us serving and being involved in Christian community because there we encourage one another. We strengthen one another. Iron sharpens iron. Or How about the fact that in our worship, now for the last three years, we have been having communion every Sunday at each service where we come to the Lord's table weekly. And here we participate not only in the remembrance of his sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, but the sensory experience of receiving his gifts of love. And finally, to open our eyes and our hearts to seeing his love in everything around. You know, you walk outside and sometimes, you know, the voices in your head or, okay, this is what I got to do. This is where I need to stop and buy. This is where we're headed. It's a place of quietness. To hear the mockingbird over on top of the early learning center. Go outside in the afternoon and hear the voices of the little children playing on the playground. To hear the wind blow against this building. To feel the 
cool breeze getting out of the car this morning at 6 a.m. while it was still pitch dark. To smell the dry air from the dusty grass blowing. And the smile of someone who cares for you and loves you. That list goes on and on. We, my dear friends, must continue to daily experience Christ's love, never forgetting the work God has done in our lives, saving us, cleansing us from our sins, and continually shaping us into the people who live out His vision, a people He loves and a people who are on a mission of love. We must never forget His promises and His love for us, Remembering our journey fills us with joy. It gives us peace when it seems absent all around us. And it enables us to see clearly as we continue to experience Christ's love and move forward in the power of His love. Yesterday afternoon, I came in to um, do some work that my computer at home wasn't... uh, Uh, working, so I came here to wrap a couple things up, and I'm reading through the scriptures, and I read through my sermon once, and I had this voice, in a sense, say to me, do you know how much you're loved? Do you know how much you are loved? How much God truly loves you? You know, You and I, we know ourselves, right? We know we daily fail and we daily fall. We we live for selves rather than for God, and yet listen to what he says about us in our readings today. While we were yet still powerless sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Right in the midst of our sin, right in the midst of our brokenness, right in the midst of us not remembering how much he loves us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to get it all right. He died for the ungodly. For God so loved the world. That includes all people, including you and me. He sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not be condemned, but have life. I love that. I love remembering that the breath of life, the spirit of life was breathed into us by God himself. And again, in our brokenness, God gives us life. And then from Romans, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You are loved. This, my friends, is how we have experienced Christ's love. And this is how we continue to experience Christ's love as we live out our relationship with him daily as we trust in him alone and we receive his undeserved, unearned, unimaginable love. Amen.